the f- what? All those political tweets that I have. <laughs> That's why I know you're a very political beast. You know. What oh I mean? yeah. Sure. You're 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 like you're like uh, Spider Jerusalem in in Transmet. I am a spider. Mm-hmm. You're from Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Careful now. We can't offend anyone. I don't know. It's getting crazy out there, Joe. That's only Todd. It's only getting crazy if you care to look at it. Um, I gotta stop doing that. Yep. <laughs> I got myself worked up into a tizzy with people's, you know, Facebook pages and See, stuff. See, God so damn done. it, Todd. What? See, now I'm worked up at you. <laughs> Why? Because I do it? This is, uh, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, this is Longbox <laughs> Heroes uh, After Dark, episode 131, colon, Gallifrey Birds, Roman numeral 5. Mm-hmm. Todd and I were just having a conversation uh, off air. Who knows how much will get included in the show. I don't, I don't know, for Christ's sake. Um... Todd, you need to delete your Facebook. Um, what good no. is it doing you? What uh, basically for so, like I need to whittle my Facebook down is what. I, no, I don't even need to whittle my Facebook down because I have my my Facebook unfollowed of most of the people. Yes. What what gets me is when I go. On Twitter and Facebook, and I look down the crazy trees, and that's what I've talked about this before. I go look down the crazy trees, and it's like this person gets me to this person, and this person gets me to this person, and I get myself all fired up. That's that's what happens. I need to stop that. I need to stop looking at at pages of people I'm not even following. So uh, I'll say this. Um... I very rarely, the only thing I go on my Facebook page is, is to go into the group for my Marvel Puzzle Quest. We've discussed this on the show before, but this bears repeating again. And every once in a while, something will catch my eye. Like, my brother is on vacation with his daughter, a little baby, so I was looking at the cute little baby pictures, right? So Mm -hmm. as I'm like, oh, let me scroll down to those, another person who somehow has escaped the unfollow button puts up... Now, the only thing I hate more than everything, Todd, mm-hmm. is memes. Right. I hate memes. Because anyone can just make up a meme and act like it's a thing, right? Right. Uh, an original meme was something... Are you aware of all your base belong to us? Are you aware of this? Yeah, it's from a video game, right? Right. So the poor localization translation of this became a meme many years ago, before anything could become a meme. Mm -hmm. Now that everything is a meme, nothing is a meme. I get what you're saying. I don't mind memes when they're just jokes. Do you know what I mean? Like, like, are you talking about, like, memes that, that they're like, well, we're doing this... And it's quoting someone who probably never said that quote. Is that what aggravates you? Or all memes? Like, I like a good meme if it's funny. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's not like like everything that we do. It's like, oh, if it's not, you know, we're not getting too serious. Like, if you're, you know, you're doing a joke from a TV show, you're, you're poking fun at it or something. Because I've seen, like... I've seen a meme that made me laugh. It was a Flash meme. And he was it was Flash talking to Wells. And he's like, what do I have to do? And he's like, run, Barry. He's like, all right, well, 
Captain Cold's here. What should I do, Wells? He's like, run, Barry. And like the fourth one, like you get to the fourth one, it's like, Jesus Christ, Barry. It's like all you do is run. Just, just fucking do it. And I'm like, all right, that's cute. That's funny. But when you see like, you know, so and so like said this and it's topical and it's, it's all political, I'm like, no, get that, get that shit out of here. Now, first of all, I'll, and this is just my opinion. Uh, mm-hmm. that meme that you just mentioned is not funny. It is funny because that's all Flash does is run. So relax. All right. So not funny. It's just, it's just one power. But he's so good he treats it as other things, right? So mm-hmm. here's the meme that I saw. So it's two pictures. Right. One of Obama getting off a plane. Mm-hmm. And another one of Trump getting off a plane. Right. The bottom says, I have to read the bottom first. Uh, how the Saudis welcome a world leader. That's for Trump. Because they have like a red carpet and everything else like this. And then for the other one says, how the, Sau- the Saudis greet a beta boy. Ah. Now. Someone who doesn't have a VHS. Sure. Right. And it's just a photo of the same amount of people and no red carpet. Now. Oh my goodness. I'm I'm like, I'm like, what the, I go, obviously this is, this is some sort of bullshit. This is some sort of fake. This is some sort of something. And then of course, again, of course, in the comments, it's like, well, you know, that's great and all, but here's the actual photos from the Obama thing. And you know, whoever created this just photoshopped this out. And you could tell that they photoshopped it out because of this, that, the other thing, but it doesn't matter because I've already made my meme. I'm putting it out there on my Facebook page and everyone who believes the same dumb shit that I do. Is like, yeah, that's true, because I, I saw it on Facebook. Why I hate everyone's Facebook, why I hate memes, why I hate people. Okay. Okay. And this is why I stay off Facebook, and this is why I want to delete my Facebook. But I need those rewards for Marvel Puzzle Quest. You see the delete gotcha. button. Right. See, I'm a completely different animal. I, I, my Facebook, I, I keep in touch with a lot of family that, you know what I mean? That, that, uh, that don't live near here anymore. So I, I'm cool with it. And I put up a lot of my artwork on there and, and I could, and I can do more with like the pictures and people can see them. But like I said, it, it's never, it's not the people I'm following because I have those whittled down. Like I said, it's when I go, go bouncing around and that's what I need to stop doing. I need to have some self-control is what I need. You need to have some self-control. Mm-hmm. Or just delete your Facebook page. Right. I'll, I'll look into that, too. Like, deleting my, my Verizon email. Too. Right. On, on an AOL server. Right. Enough of this horse shit, though, Todd. We have more important horse shit to talk about. Right. Because it's Gallifrey Birds time. End of the month. <laughs> Gallifrey Birds, Roman numeral five. We've got... Uh, Triple A when worlds collide to talk about, mm-hmm. and the caves of Androzani. 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 Now I always forget this because we only do it once a month. Right? Are you, you going to go, go check first now? Because I went first last time. How does this work? I don't remember. Are you going to check or what are we doing? I could. Hang on. But uh, while you're doing that, I would like to say that I'm sad that Roger Moore passed away. Oh. The only Bond that really matters. He was the best Bond. Had one of the greatest karate chops in the history of TV. I always said it came down to 
uh, Roger Moore's James Bond, Captain Kirk, and the third doctor for his Venusian Aikido, who threw the best karate chop. Because those are the only three choices. Back when movies didn't take themselves so goddamn seriously. <laughs> what? No, listen. You have to have a little fun with your films, huh? Oh, James Bond had a lot of fun with their films. Yeah, Especially definitely. during the Roger Moore run. But, did you find out who went first yet? No. Then I'll just vamp some more Roger Moore. Greatest... I go the, first. Okay, you can go first, then. I go first. You don't have to yell at me. I can put my notes away, then. All right. So, this is, as mentioned, uh, Doctor Who... This is the fifth Doctor. I know that because we're in the fifth month. <laughs> and uh, Todd gave me the DVD of this. And he he implored me, don't read the back of the box. Because he didn't want things spoiled for me or something. Right. Uh, this Doctor is Peter David's son, who we talked about <laughs> Peter David on uh, uh, Longbox Heroes this week. Right. So, <laughs> the crux of this is, as does happen, the Doctor and his companion uh, show up in the middle of this fighting between these two different groups. Essentially, the, the government and these androids. Now, there's a lot more going on, but that's just kind of like the broad strokes of what this is about. Because there's a lot to discuss in this, okay? Mm -hmm. So, first of all, right off the top. Did they slightly change the Doctor Who theme for this season? It um, You've noticed, yes. Uh, over the years, it was tweaked slightly mm -hmm. for, like, the third and the fourth. Like, it, it, it gets changed. And now for the fifth, it, it gets changed again. And there, there's even, like, you know, there's a sonic boom at the end of the... It's like, that's what they call it. Like, there's, like, a at the end of the song. And as it goes, now... It will. I don't know if when we get to the sixth Doctor, it depends on what episode I give to you, because this will run halfway into his run, and then the sixth will get super like synthesizery, mm. if you know what I mean. And I then, do sadly, right? Because because you see how it's getting more towards the times that we're in, like the eighties and stuff. Yeah, like there's that. like a little bit more funky guitar in this version. <laughs> Right. That's why the one that I gave you, the fourth dog, the last one, has my favorite, like, the opening that I grew up with. Like, it has the, the weird blue time tunnel and the doctor's face appears and that song. Mm -hmm. That's my favorite Doctor Who song. Now we're starting to get further away from good Doctor Who theme songs. And then we get back when we get to the current run. So. Now, I do want to say, of course, while things are changing, the music is changing, some things that haven't changed... Things that you could hang your hat on when you're watching a Doctor Who show. <laughs> there will invariably be someone who has a shitty mustache. <laughs> invariably. Everyone that you've given me so far, someone has a shitty mustache. What? They're all great mustaches. Okay. You'll also uh, run into situations where there's extreme close-ups on people's faces. Mm -hmm. Like excessive long takes. On oily looking people's <laughs> faces. Okay? Right. And if they're in a room or on a set where there's some sort of computer or machinery running, mm -hmm. then God help you if 
less than one person is near the microphone. Because you cannot hear conversations between more than zero people when they're like, I'm working on this thing, but I'm also talking to my minion. I'm like, I don't know what the fuck's going on. Let me put the subtitles on. And then there's something up with this DVD that you gave me. Right. Now, again, so I'm looking at the back, some of the, the whatever, um, for like maybe about 30 seconds, maybe like a minute. Instead of the subtitles, I accidentally put up the pop-up production notes. Oh, I love those. And I was even more confused. I'm like, what the heck? That's not matching up to what they're talking about. They're talking about this person's, like, career in, like, the 70s and, like, beauty pageants. And I'm like, oh, this is some other thing that I don't understand. Right. Okay. So I didn't know that you would put that up. That wasn't something that I would, you know, be able to tell you about. But... Mm -hmm. You should have put up the uh, the subtitles, not the pop-up stuff. Because... Well, I didn't know because it just said, like, you know, it said subtitles like option one or option two. I mm. chose option one, and option one was the production notes. Option two was the actual subtitles themselves. Ah, I haven't used it in a while, so. Uh, so, um, obviously, the tensions between the military and these androids are at a fever pitch and were treated very early to, as the Doctor and his companion... Uh, what's her name? Terry? Perry. Perry. Todd uh, had me brush up on her, her history, her debut, by sending me a 30-second <laughs> video clip with no audio. Right. Well, I just figured all you needed was the visual. Mm, okay. So they show up, and they do some bad ADR work while they walk in front of a matte painting to start off the show. What? What is ADR mean? Uh... Additional dialogue replacement. Okay. Because it's very obviously, like, I could tell from, even in the matte painting, like, they're not talking. They're just like, just walk and we'll put the dialogue in later. It's fine. Right. This is Doctor Who. Oh, my God. So, uh, they show up and this general, whatever the hell his name is, Chellin. Right. I think so. I don't, I haven't watched this one in a little while. Okay, so he's I'm the not one with 100... the shitty mustache. <laughs> right. He's the inept guy in charge. Right. So he immediately thinks that they're working for the androids. Mm -hmm. And every time that he transmits what's going on back to, I guess, who would the not the president, but Mm -hmm. he's like the guy who's the assistant to the president. Right. He's like a high up businessman who has the president's ear. Right. So it's him, the president and this woman. They all have like a similar like billowy clothing on. Mm -hmm. That's very distressing and odd looking. (laughs) So... Uh, they're sending messages to them, and while we're doing that, we, obviously, the villain of the piece has hacked into this. Now, we don't mm-hmm. see the villain yet, but he is the only person whose picture on the DVD case is in focus, <laughs> which is also helpful. Like, there's there's a picture of two of, like, the, the gorillas that are hired. Right. They're, like, in the background. They're blurry. There's a picture of the doctor carrying the companion. That's blurry. Like, those were obviously just, like, screen caps taken from the TV <laughs> itself. Whereas the picture of the villain, Sheriff Jack, who, again, Todd, you're picking right. great villains for me. I do I do like that. So I figure it's him, right? Mm-hmm. So they're showing him, and they're taking a lot of very longing close-ups of his super pale... But also super hairy hand. Right. Maybe the grossest thing I've ever seen in my life. And Todd, and you... I'm a hairy individual, but even I was disgusted by this guy. 
<laughs> See, that's Doctor Who, the horror of it. Right. So, obviously, he's watching what's going on. Um, And also, like, uh, the Colonel's minions are doing something, like, in these caves or a volcano. And then this shitty rat monster thing shows up <laughs> mm-hmm. that looks like a fourth-rate, like, bad, like, leftover, like, it's like, oh, just a bunch of pieces left over from a Godzilla costume. Like, what's a rat head and a dinosaur body and a collar? Nah, just slap it together and we'll paint it all brown. It's fine. <laughs> right. So, they attack someone. So, like, now we, we're, like, it's being established. Uh, we've got, um, you know, the, the government people. You've got the, uh, the military, not the military guy, but the guy who's like the advisor to the president who's like off somewhere else in like a fancy building. You've got this shitty rat creature, and then you've got Shara's Jack. So the, the plate, the pieces are, are laid out. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, however, the doctor and his companion, because they're believed to be, um, sympathizers with the, uh, androids, they're going to be put to death. But not just any death, a very convenient death for the purpose of the plot, and a, what was the death of the red masks, or the red hoods, or something? Right. Where it's a very intricate and needlessly complicated uh, death, where you're going to have, you're going to be dressed completely in red, with a Mm -hmm. red cloak put over your head, you're going to be put in front of a firing squad, however, before we do this, you can choose what you would like us to do with your remains. Right. I don't know why I found this to be needlessly elaborate and complicated until mm-hmm. it was revealed that uh, Shara's Jack decides, oh, these people could be of some use to me. I'm going to replace them with androids, which mm-hmm. is going to be a running theme of these four episodes, that everyone is just assumedly replaced with androids, mm-hmm. but it's not, and then like the androids are also just going to burst into flames. <laughs> hey, who's a scrawl? Exactly. They stole Secret Invasion from this uh, run of Doctor Who here. Right. So, uh, Shara's Jack brings them out, and then in addition to them being replaced by zombie or zombies, listen to me, I'll get to that in a second, <laughs> by androids, that also Salatine has been replaced by an android as well, and he has been the one who has been kind of like Shara's Jack's inside man to all of this. Now, yeah, he's been stooging off the colonel's information. Now, immediately upon seeing Salatine, I'm like, I like this guy because <laughs> mm-hmm. he's shot in very disturbing close-ups. He's very <laughs> oily. And his eyes look distressing. And later on, uh, for Todd and anyone listening to this, uh, go look up the Italian uh, zombie movie mm-hmm. titled Burial Ground. There's a very distressing subplot involving incest and instead of mm-hmm. getting a child they get a midget to play the child <laughs> so right. it's not too creepy <laughs> a Sal- a Salatine looks just like the child slash midget from Burial Ground so okay, already good. I'm on board for for right. Salatine right but then uh, and again we'll kind of get to the plot well we'll get to the plot thing Shara's Jack is a delight I knew you'd love Sheriff's Jack. The design of his costume, again, needlessly elaborate for no reason. Uh, We find out that he was a scientist, and he was working in the volcano to harvest Spectrox. Mm -hmm. Spectrox is what all these people are fighting over. 
Now, I don't want to say it, it is mostly a, a white liquid, but mm-hmm. once we started getting into the raw spect- spectrox, which is a powder, mm-hmm. and we're trading kilos of it, I thought <laughs> this was an 80s wrestling like parallel. See, it's all made just for you. This one's catered just for right. you. I was waiting for for it to come in a bag with a with a with a kinda snake, right? Well, That's no, I was Doctor waiting for Who like Shara's Jack and uh, what was this Margos Morgos? Um, I'm not 100 percent okay. sure. Okay, waiting for them to trade like make some sort of deal with a spittoon full of spectrums, <laughs> right? So on their way down, right, mm-hmm. the doctor and the companion, more so the companion than anything else, steps into a nest of raw spectrox. Now, mm-hmm. I don't know if you could see me doing this in quotes. <laughs> or she stre- she steps into some, like, cotton balls that they stretched out into a big pile. Right. So now the running theme is we find out that contact with raw Spectrox is fatal. Mm-hmm. And because the doctor and the, the companion have come into contact with raw Spectrox... They're going to die. They go through the four stages where they have the blisters and all this other stuff. So now we've got so many plot threads going on here. Five or six and then double crosses and betrayals and all this other stuff uh, going on. And then it's revealed um, that androids are bred to kill all humans. Mm -hmm. Unless you're wearing a special belt buckle. (laughs) Unless... Someone finds out about the trick of the special belt <laughs> buckle, and they change the frequency on the belt buckle. There's so much going on in this episode. God. It was just like it, it was just like convenience upon convenience. This Not convenience. Like, oh, you can't tag me because I'm on home base. It's like, well, I have the thing that breaks home base. Well, it can't get through my force field that breaks things that gets through home base. And it was just like continuously, continuously like. It just seemed like, again, needlessly elaborate, and it was just like, no matter what they figured out, it's like, well, obviously I had the counter for that, because I knew you would do that. And I'm just like, oh my god, get on with it. No, see, what you're not looking at is, is this this ep- this uh, serial is a chess game. It's move and counter move, Joe. Yeah. It it's, it's, go on, what? Okay. Um... And again, I do want to. I don't want to mispronounce this game, this guy's name, because he's Caves of Androzani. Thing. Um. So we learn that the shitty rat creature mm-hmm. is a magma creature. Uh that's what he is. Uh, taking care of those things. Morgus. Morgus is the guy. I can't read my own writing. I apologize. That's all right. Wait till we get to my section of the show. Okay. Um, and then also, I do want to mention, so, uh, they decide the Doctor, the Companion, and Salatine are going to go back and try to get some of these Spectrox, uh, so that they could help. Because the only thing that cures, uh, touching raw Spectrox is more Spectrox. Because Spectrox allows you to live forever, apparently. Mm-hmm. Uh, refined spectrum. Refined, uh, excuse me. Now, again, we're not getting into stuff with, like, Stots and, like, the gorillas, and, like, <laughs> they're working for this guy, and they're working for that guy, and then they're fighting with each other for no reason, just to kind of, like, stretch things out a little bit longer, whatever. Um, so while they're there, 
the Salatine android finds out that the doctor, well, like, I, I don't, like, it's not clear because he sees in, like, Predator vision mm-hmm. three years before the Predator was a thing. Mm-hmm. So he sees their three shapes, and I don't know if the Salatine android realizes that Salatine is back up. But anyway, when the guy who plays Salatine is the android, he's a better actor than when he is as a regular person. Well, maybe the android is just more evil, that's all. Right. Um, Also, and then, so all of this comes from uh, Jack wants revenge uh, on Chellick. Because Chellick is the one who didn't put up the defenses correctly when they were going down for the Spectrox. And he got hit with a mud burst. Which is Mm -hmm. what they call, like, whatever happens inside the volcano when the volcano is erupting. Right, so a hot mud shoots through all the the uh, the, the caves and stuff like right. that. Right, and that's why because the hid, that's why Jack is hideously disfigured, and that's why he's wearing like a mix between like what the gimp wore in, the, in Pulp Fiction, if mm-hmm. it was designed by Frank Gorshin's character from the Star Trek series. That's exactly kind of what I think of him. Right, um, and and he's pretty much just like a Doctor Doom with a real reason to hate somebody. Right, now I do want to say this, I did do a little research on Jack, I don't have the actor's name right at my fingertips, mm-hmm. uh, hang on, uh, Christopher Gable, apparently he was a trained, a, a trained ballerina, mm-hmm. and it shows because, I will say this, the physical fight scenes in this are much better, they're the best so far, Right, and I think it's because that guy can really move around, mm-hmm. however, anytime that there's a gunfight... Mm-hmm. It's just a bunch of dumpy British people in <laughs> ill-fitting jumpsuits standing six to eight feet from each other while pew-pew noises happen. Right. Now, there is a hot gun chase later mm-hmm. on where either Stotts or Krepler, I don't know, they look the same to me, <laughs> chase the doctor. And by chase the do- doctor, I mean they're both walking separated by about six to eight feet <laughs> while Stotts or Krepler is holding his gun. Mm-hmm. The gunfight's terrible. The two or three physical actual confrontations in this were much better, and that, I think, is because uh, Sheriff Jack is a classically trained ballerina. And, hey, that's that's probably why. Right. So as all of this is kind of unfolding... And, uh, what's his face there? Uh, Chalik is explaining to Morgus what's going on. He's, like, Morgus is in a room, and he's talking to Chalik on a video screen, right? hmm So every time Chalik tells him something, he turns away from the video screen and kind of talks about how, like, this is affecting his plan. But the thing is, as he's doing it, he's looking directly in the camera. Mm-hmm. As though to tell us, the dum-dums watching this at home, like, hey, everyone, this is my plot being unraveled. <laughs> so that scene was a little on the nose, right? Mm-hmm. So all this is going on, and, and it's unclear, other than the fact that she's the only woman in this thing, why Jack is so fascinated with the companion. Because he's lonely. He's sad. Right. Well, why can't he just make an android, put a belt, a a lady android, put a belt on him with the correct frequency (laughs) so he's not so lonely no more? Because he needs someone who's going to stand the test of time Mm -hmm. just like him. 
So he wants them forever. So because of the doctor's physiology and Todd, we learn that the celery that he wears on his jacket serves a purpose. Mm -hmm. I was shocked by this. This is the most shocking thing that I learned (laughs) from this show. We waited a whole, the whole fifth doctor's run. Oh my God. To find this out. Uh, Should I spoil it for everyone to tell them what the celery does? Spoiler alert. Joe's going to tell you what the celery does. Go ahead. To his people, the celery has amazing healing and restorative processes, mm-hmm. and it would work better on humans if we knew how to smell better. <laughs> That's kind of what it is. No, fun. where am I wrong? No, there's more to it. There's a thing that he wears it because... Right, the, it, earlier he's like, allergic, it changes color it, if he's going to be like... It's like mood right. celery. Right. This version of the doctor, because the doctor changes. This version of the doctor is allergic to a certain type of something. I forget it was a gas or something. And in the presence of the gas, the celery turns purple. Right. And then like, well, what do you do? And he's like, then I eat the celery. But go ahead. Right. So, but again, it has amazing healing and restorative processes. Mm -hmm. But okay. So he says our olfactory senses. Right. And while he's saying this, he's rubbing this under Perry's nose, leading him to believe that we have to smell it. Mm-hmm. Anyway. So because of this, he's doing better from the uh, the thermal death point, which is what it's called when you have Spectrox poisoning. Right. And of course. Only, now, while the refined Spectrox can delay the death, the only thing that can cure it is two vials of the queen bat's milk. I guess the queen bat is the father of the shitty magma rat creature we saw earlier in this. Right. Or she a- is the, the the magma creature. It's a little unclear. No, that's one of the that's one of the magma creatures. Okay. But but the the queen lives closer to the heat. Right. Like but go on. So the doctor has to go down very deep into the cave, into the the the, the volcano. Where they but, spent all the money on the effects. Okay. But it's so far down, there's not enough oxygen, but his unique, uh, I almost physiology. said inbreeding. His physiology. Un- his unique physiology will help, but Jack still gives him, like, the last canister of oxygen that he has, which will give him, like, an extra eight minutes, because Jack is needlessly fascinated with Perry, other than, just for the fact that, you know, she has a 30-second clip on YouTube of her in a bikini. Can, can I just throw one thing in here? What, he's supposed to be the Phantom of the Opera. He's in love, the blah, blah, blah. Because every Doctor Who story is stolen from somewhere. So that's kind of what I think they were going for with uh, Sherrick Zek. Right. Now, I will say this. We do get a good reveal of his, hid- hideously, dis- his hideously scarred face. Mm-hmm. But I, would, I thought the mud burst burned all of his skin off for him to have such a flesh-covered face. Right. And from episode one to later episodes, they do a very poor job of really popping the dark black color on his hands. So I do appreciate <laughs> that. Okay. Like, if you look at his hands when they're doing the extreme close-ups in episode one, like, his hands look like wire. Like, the hair on his hands look like wire. It's so <laughs> gross. <laughs> and then as we get to later episodes, they kind of, like, ease off it a little bit, right? And I'm like, okay, thank God. Do you have, like, nightmares about his hand hair no, now just, or something? Was, of all the oily faces and extreme close-ups for some reason, like, <laughs> on his hand, which is like, oh, this is distressing. Mm-hmm. So, 
Uh, the doctor then climbs through another matte painting mm-hmm. to get to the queen's thing. He gets uh, whatever it is, the, the milk, two vials of the milk to save Perry. Mm-hmm. But, like, there's fighting going on. There's more mud bursts going on. And Morgus's plan is falling apart because he pushes the, the president down an elevator shaft. And then the elderly woman or whatever she is, she comes in and says, I know all your plans. And, like, now you're wanted for, like, 21 counts of treason and all this other stuff. So now he comes down to the caves and it's just a big giant clusterfuck. And then like the rebels and all these stories are all coming together, but none of it really matters because I honestly thought we were going to get like the full on 100% rogue one ending where like everyone was just going to fucking die. Right. And we were close. Right. Close to everyone almost dying. Of course, the doctor and Perry make it out. He gets her back to the TARDIS and I will give them props here. At the very least, in the color episodes that I've seen so far, they've done a very good job of keeping that same inside the TARDIS set. Mm-hmm. So, um, he he saves Perry, he gives her the two vials, but it's too much for him. He gives up. And he's No, he doesn't give up, he drops one of the vials when he's going in, he only has one left to oh, give Oh, I didn't her. notice he dropped one. It, right. Because they kept saying that he needed two to save her, and I thought I didn't know it was one for him and one for her. Okay, right. Do you remember when he was taking her, and the earth shakes, and he and he and he drops, and he catches the vials? I one must of them... have missed him dropping the one. Right, he drops the one, and it's in the, and he basically has his choice: save himself mm-hmm. or give the the give. What they should have had was monkey milk instead of. Uh, and that would have that has restorative <laughs> process of another kind. Right, but he gave he gave gave her the the mm-hmm. the, the cure. But, go but on. it doesn't matter because he's going to regenerate anyway, as all good doctors do. Right, but he only has so many of those. So, mm. but go on. Anyway, this guy's. T- I'm sure. Th- I'm sure he knew that this guy's contract was up, so they were. Fine <laughs> now I'll say this. So as he's dying and about to regenerate, a bunch of faces like start floating around him. Right. And they're all telling him that he needs to, like, come back, come back, come back. Now, I don't know who any of these people are. They're all old companions. Okay. Or that were companions during the fifth Doctor's run that you didn't see. Okay. I didn't want to tell you, like, that they would be, because I didn't want to ruin the end. I didn't want you, because I knew you wouldn't know that the regeneration was coming. Mm-hmm. And I just was wondering how you would take that. But go ahead. So, and then, like, a guy with a shitty beard and mustache shows up mm-hmm. and says, no, stay dead. Mm-hmm. Or something like that. And you then, must die, Doctor. Right. Now, I don't know who the hell that is. That is the guy. Do you remember the master from the third Doctor? Yes! And you remember how I told you he died in real life on location in the Middle East shooting a movie? <laughs> that This is the guy they got to replace him. Oh, a fantastic recasting. Well, no, he's supposed to look different too. Like, but well, he, he does. He, he looks like a completely different person. Okay, right, but uh, black, you know, but he still has like the black mustache and the black mm-hmm. hair, and you know, still like like the fun version of the master for me. But go ahead. So he's just visualizing, seeing things, like you know, telling him that he should just die. And no, he he fights on and he regenerates. So then the doctor pops up and he's a different guy because, of course, he's regenerated. He's a different looking person. He says something, and then we cut to the funky guitar riff credits. And since this is an episode with a sixth doctor in it, this counts as my sixth doctor that I have to watch as well. So I get a month no. off. Nope. Oh! I was nope. hoping to get you on a technicality. 
<laughs> That's not how this show works. Ah. Okay. But can, can I ask one question? Go ahead. Or were you actually like like intrigued to see that this turned out to be like? Did you care at all that this was a regeneration episode? Okay, I have no attachment to the doctor. Right. I have no attachment to this particular doctor. Mm-hmm. I imagine that if you were have been watching the doctor for any length of time, even if it was just this guy's run, which was like what two or three years or whatever it was. I think it's three years, yes. And they do a thing at the end of every one of the episodes where, like, they tease that he's going to die, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there's the firing squad thing, there's the android thing, and then, you know, whatever it else. So, like, they're really hammered home that he's going to die. And I'm like, don't these guys regenerate or something? Or, like, they come back? I go, he's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. So mm-hmm. it didn't have the same emotional punch for me as it would for someone who actually, like, follows and cares about Doctor Who. Gotcha. I'm sure this was a big deal at the time. Right. And, and I mean, it is spoiled over there when it's happening. Like, everybody knows mm-hmm. when he's going to die. And and, re- and you and they usually know who the next Doctor is even before the episode airs. They're like, this actor is going to play him. But uh, I like, I don't know. I like, I do like that the, the writing in the episode. I like the villain in the episode. And it is literally considered, w- like, maybe the best like directed and 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 uh written classic episode like with some of the stuff that's going on. Okay, but- so I will say this. So cuz just trying to fill in some of the gaps on this. Mhm. Um it claims that this particular run uh this particular four-parter mm-hmm. was voted on by like the best story of the doctor of all time. Of the classic stuff, yes. Okay, of the classic stuff. Okay, that's what that's I want to... That's why I keep saying that. Of the classic stuff. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I liked it just fine. It was probably the one that I liked the least so far. Okay. Just because it seemed like they were trying to cram so much in here, and at the end of it, it really didn't matter because it was all about the Doctor's regeneration. Okay. But it was about Perry's cleavage, too. Mm. They showed, like, two times. Eh, there's like, more of it during the sixth doctor. And listen, I'm sure she's a nice lady. I'm sure she's a nice girl. And by 1980, whatever standards in England, I'm sure she was a delight. Mm-hmm. But she was just like, when you're the only girl on a show like this, you have no mm-hmm. choice but to be the also the hottest girl on a show like this. That's right. And did you? And you're probably going to get her again mm-hmm. because she's pretty much most of well. She's yes, she's other than one episode, she is the sixth doctor companion all the way through. Cuz she shows up one episode before the end of the fifth doctor's run and then is all, is all the, the 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 run except for the last episode of the doctor's run. The sixth doctor's. I'm sorry, I'm babbling all over. Right. Cuz this is so exciting that you're you're get you're almost halfway through the run of doctors. Does my it does my hearts proud? Your hearts, because I'm a time lord. Now. Right, I was gonna say you like a Doctor Who have multiple hearts. <laughs> That's right. So, ov- overall, you loved it. Got it. Uh again, <laughs> no. it was good. You're doing a good job of picking things for me to watch. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not bored by any of them. Um, you know, they're they're enjoyable for what they are. But it seems as though, like, this one had a very, uh, a spectacularly low budget. 
Oh, and they only, the budgets only get cut as the next two Doctors happen. Right, and that's why I was saying, like, of this run of the classic Doctor, mm-hmm. that if this is the best story of all the classic Doctors, this mm-hmm. does not fill me with hope and pride for the next two to three that are, I guess, also included in that classic Doctor run. Right. Okay. You'll be fine. I, 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 know, what, I know what my Joe likes, and all I give right. it to you. Speaking of knowing what my Todd likes, Mm -hmm. you watched When Worlds Collide, presented uh, by AAA Promotions in Mexico, with a little bit of assistance from uh, World Championship Wrestling. Right. Um, AAA, which I didn't even know the American Automotive Association did wrestling, but that's cool. Mm -hmm. Um, So this starts out, and I'm watching it. And all of a sudden, names start popping up and matches, and it's in Spanish, and then it's 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 in English, so I'm fine with that. But basically, in my mind, because I don't know a lot of these wrestlers, this is all I heard for the opening. Up next, wrestlers versus wrestler. Mask versus hair. No, wait. Double mask versus double hair. Oh, my goodness. A letters versus letters match, because apparently it was like the A, triple A uh, versus the IW something. Okay. So I'm like, okay, I, that's a thing, apparently. Right. Then it's a minis match, but these were all out of the order. Then it was the battle for respect and a cage match. That's all I really got. I, I kind of recognized a couple of names. Right. Uh, but we'll get to that as, as, as I hit the matches. So first, right out of the gate, um, we're just going to say, I'm not even going to mention the announcers because they're not Heenan. Okay. Um, and they're kind of like, kind of bland. And I and I almost think they're inept announcers. I, I don't think they were given the script to this show at times, but we'll get into it. Okay. That. Well, I, I will say this. While that may mm. be true, one of the announcers, Mike Tanay, mm-hmm. is the guy who WCW would bring in from here on out until the end of WCW's run as right. the Mexican wrestling expert. Which is fine, mm-hmm. which is fine, but as I go on, you'll kind of see what I'm talking about. And then we're in the ring with, with two guys who are, you know, they're, they're announcing that they're in Los Angeles, blah, 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 the show, and they have a, a, a Spanish announcer who announces the show. And right off the bat, boring brown suit and a regular tuxedo, and I'm like, really, we're starting with bland fashion. This does not bode well, Joe. This no Jesse Ventura with his fabulous boas. Right. No, no Bobby Heenan's in red sequin tuxedo jackets. Right, right. But, so we start off, the, the matches are out of order when they told me the way they were going to come. Sure. So, the first uh, match starts off, and it's the minis match, I guess. Right. And it's uh, Esposito. I'm not going to um, help who's Who's apparently two face in this because he's got half his face painted. Right. I don't know. And uh, Eric Estrada, who's an '80s band frontman. That's kind of what I'm gathering that he. Uh, no, wait. Or was it? Do I? Because my. Oh no. Uh, Esposito is two face, and he's with uh, Sagrada, I guess, the White Power Ranger. I'm not helping you. All right, all right. So, right that that's uh, that's what it is. and then Eric Estrada is with a pirate ninja named Octacognito. I don't I don't even know what these names are. Half of them. You have the teams so, messed up, but that's fine. 
Okay. So uh, basically, at this point, it's when the I don't have my AAA Luchador Wrestling rulebook. Right. And already the announcers are explaining the rules, and I'm like, okay, the only reason I understand this is because someone explained it to me at Chikara, a Chikara, the only Chikara show I ever went to. Right. Was that there's there's no tag. Well, there are tags, but if someone gets thrown out of the ring, then you don't have to tag. Your partner can jump in, I guess. Is that the way it goes? That's just as good as a hand-to-hand tag. That's correct. Right. So that's going on, and I, I'm like, okay, this this uh is one of them and then there's captains there's you have to tag you have to you have to pin the cap it's captain i'm like all right right off the bat i'm like there's wrestlers i don't know the names of i don't know that i'm forgetting who the teams are right and now i have to keep i have to keep in the back of todd's you know distracted brain i'm like all right now there's no tags because he fell out of the ring but then we have to pin the captain so i'm completely forgetting when someone's getting pinned i'm like is he a captain or not does it count wait a minute let me get my scorecard here so i was really confused with that and then off the top there was two referees one was good and one the one in the red stripes was or in the in the suspenders was bad that's a whole other problem Right. I'm like, well, there's two refs, Joe, so apparently no calls will be missed in this because there's four sets of eyes. <laughs> Yet, there were lots and lots of things that were missed as the show went on. So, I, I just, I was, I, I was co- completely confused by it, and then the pirate ninja wins with a terrible three count because it just happens and almost like surprises the announcers. They're like, Oh, that was a, that was a pin. The, the, that team wins. And I'm like, the announcers don't, didn't don't They're They're like me now at this point, they're literally watching this show, not knowing what happens as far as I'm concerned. So I, I'm like completely blown away by all this at this point, but it was fun. Um, I remember uh, mini matches and midget matches from when I was a kid, and I used to love them. Um, not so much in this match because I, I don't they say they don't I don't have the love for them right. that I did when I was younger. But I thought it was fun. There was a lot of uh, thing, and it's also hard for me to keep up with the speed of, of it. I will give you that that the speed of luchador wrestling is crazy, just like all, like always on. It seems so. I do get taken aback by all that because I have to figure out where all the action is. And because I don't know the wrestlers, I have to keep up on whose team is, is who, you know what I mean? Absolutely. And also now that match ends, uh, because I really don't have much to say about it. Cause I'm completely confused. Um, as it goes on, we get to the second match. And at this point, the, pro- I don't like the production values because whoever's directing this, the people are coming out for their matches and the camera isn't on them, or when they are, it's like they're announcing who the people are in the next match. But for someone like me who's never watched, the, the, doesn't know a lot of these wrestlers, and with the exception of one or two that I that I recognize, is they're 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 naming who they are, 
but they're not, I don't know if they're coming out in that order in, in bunches, if that makes any sense. So I'm like, well, who's, who's this guy and who's that guy? So as this is going on, I'm pausing the show and I'm going to Google and I'm Googling like, uh, Guerrera, the, the Guerrera in this match. Like who is, uh, Fuerza Guerrera? Right, because they're saying Fuerza Guerrera, but I don't know which of the three is, because they're not saying first comes out for, like, sure, and then sure. so and so. So I'm like, or as I'm watching and I can pick it up, but I'm not picking it up because I'm like, it's ha- it's all happening really fast. It's like we get in the ring and they, they walk around and, 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 and this and that. So I'm like, confused. But so the first group comes out and it's Fuerza Guerrera. And I'm like, wow, he's like the, the least interesting of the group. Then my maybe new favorite luchador ever, Madonna's boyfriend. Comes, all right. Who's Louis Spicoli. Yes. Does this all have to do with the fact that at the time Sean Penn was dating Madonna and he was Spicoli in Fast Times at Ridgemont High? Yes. Okay, because that's not explained, but in my brain, I'm like, I remember Fast Times at Ridgemont High. I remember Spicoli, and I remember that he was dating Madonna or married or whatever. So I'm guessing they were boyfriend and girlfriend at this time. I'm like, I don't even know where this comes from, but fantastic dance moves. Some of the best I've ever seen. Right. So I do just want to say, uh, real quick before you continue on, I am and have been and will always be a big fan of Louis Spicoli. He had gotten his start in, like, the late 80s, maybe, as a jobber in, like, WWF. Now, Todd, I'm sure you've seen wrestling before with jobber matches, right? Where it's a guy with, like, pale skin, no muscle tone, a (laughs) mullet, a shitty mustache. You know, it looks like the villains of the last five Doctor Who things you made me watch. (laughs) Right. Does he have hairy hands? Well, okay, most of them do. So, Mm -hmm. and you see this guy, and, like, he's going to take on, like, Kamala. You're like, okay, this guy stands no chance. He might, he's just going to get beaten up, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas Louis Spicoli was kind of the jobber guy that they would put in there with guys that weren't just like, oh, I'm a big monster and I'm just going to squash. It's like, oh, I could do a bunch of cool moves, but I need someone who could take my cool moves. And that was always Louis Spicoli. Mm-hmm. And based on him being able to take some of the better guys in WWF at the times, cool moves, that kind of turned into a career for him later on in life. Now, granted, he would, you know, sadly die a very tragic death of a pill overdose and so forth, which was a very big bummer to me because, like I said, he was one of my favorite guys. Um, but, yeah, so that's how he started off his career, as a jobber who could take cool moves. Right. So he's the he's the second of the three, or I don't know how they come out. This is just the way I have them written down. Right. And then Psychosis comes out, whose gimmick is apparently he's Cosmic Cow from Too Close for Comfort. Okay. If you remember the the comic that Ted Knight drew, that I was do. Just living, and he had the puppet. That's that. I'm guessing that's his gimmick. I, I don't know. But that's the only thing I can figure out. And they mention that Guerrera is the captain. So now at this point, I'm like, all right. I know who the captain is. Now, the other team comes out, and it's Heavy Metal, who's even more of an 80s front man than the last guy in the, in the match. I was like, wow, I didn't think we were going to get even more 80s front man. Well, listen, it's, it's 1994 Mexico, so of course we're going to get a lot of guys who look like 80s rockers. Right. <laughs> They're a few so, years behind the time. 
So then Latin Lover comes out, which All is right. a great name, and Rey Mysterio Jr. All right, somebody I recognize, even though he's got a mask on. Um, he's somebody I recognize, and they're talking about Rey Mysterio and how he's so young and he's the future. And this at this point, I start to feel old, Joe. Right. Because they're talking like, oh, I realize this is 1994, I think. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my God, man, I'm old. So I, I, I find that interesting. But now where I'm going to I'm going to shit on your announcers again. All right. Is at this point, they don't tell me who the captain of this team is and they never do. Oh, boy. So now I'm like, who the fuck has to get pinned in this? I'm so confused. I'm so confused. Well, at least the announcers drive home the point that Cosmic Cow and Rey Mysterio Jr. have history from past things, and they were they they came from like the same training or whatever. I, I, I'm not 100 sure, but at least I, I kind of got that and their their feud. And then the announcers mentioned that Latin Lover was once a stripper, and it's great because that's what his characters play. His character is so he could work with that. And I'm like, hey, buddy, kayfabe, man. Like that's not a character. He's really a Latin lover stripper dude. Right. I was I was actually taken aback by that, Joe. Like that they mentioned that that's his character, and I was like, ooh. I'm like I'm not used to something like that. And then we find out that Heavy Metal's father is one of the refs. And okay. I was like, I was like, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. You're gonna say something? No, go ahead. I'm like, this doesn't seem fair. But I'm guessing, you know, refs are always partial and, and fair, uh, so we don't really have to have to do that. And at one point, I'm starting to realize with the with the Chikara rules tags that you know I'm like, all right, you fell out of the ring, so he doesn't have to tag. But even then, like they're not tagging when nobody's fall out of the, fell out of the ring, or they're tagging. And the other guy's not getting in the ring. It's a big cluster. And at one point, one of the announcers actually says, who needs to tag? The refs are giving them a lot of latitude out there with what they're doing in and out of the ring. And I'm like, I'm completely lost at this point. I'm like, I don't know if you need to tag. I don't know if you don't need to tag. Fall out of the ring. It, it's literally at this point. I'm like, I, I don't even know. Just, just, uh, a, just pin somebody. But uh, some of the fun stuff from the matches, Spicoli just destroying like Ray. Anything Ray does to him, he's just catching him. And because Ray is so small, Spicoli's just like, I'm going to catch you and throw you. And at one point, he literally throws him like four rows into the crowd. <laughs> and I'm like, th- like this is like the, uh, you see in every bad wrestling movie. Okay. Like, and people are getting fired up, Joe. Like, as this show goes on, I'm starting to get worried for people's safety with some of like the, the things that I see going on. Uh, with the 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 fan with the fans, but uh, as this is going on, one of the sm- smaller things I love. There's a lot of like you know f- flippy floppy wrestling, as Bradshaw says in this, which isn't my style. But uh, one of the fun things is the the punch back and forth with with Guerrero at one point. Is Guerrero keeps like leaning back like he's going to fall, and then like wobbles, and then comes back up and like no, I can stand. And he punches him again, and he keeps going back a little bit further each time and i'm like all right that's cool i'm like i you you got me with that and then there is a submission 
and it's it's once once again catches the announcers off guard. You're like, was that a submission? Yeah, let's go to the tape. Yes, it was. We you know so and so team uh, wins by uh, by submission. I'm like, okay, I guess that guy was the captain. I I, I don't know. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it, another interesting match that uh that I I I, I was kind of lost with. And then the dad, I feel bad for the dad uh, ref because he had to watch his son take a beating by the bad guys right. after he was in the ring. And then the bad guys leave, and the good guys get in the ring, and they get cheered, which was weird to me because you don't cheer losers as far as I'm concerned. It was weird to see, like, you know, like, yay, yay, everybody's so happy for you guys. And I was like, you just took a beating. It was, like, you lost. It, it was a show of respect, Todd. Is that what that literally is? Yes. Okay, I'm not trying – this is different to me. This yes. is not what you see in wrestling. When the, when the good guys lose – they don't get the cheers. Everybody's like, oh, my God, like they lost. And they slink off and go, you know, can continue the food, feud. So it's a show of respect, huh? Yes. Oh, that's very interesting to me. See, I'm learning a, a little bit every every now and then. So now the next match is the Triple A AAA versus the ICW right. match uh, with uh, the Blue Blazer. Jerry Estrada, who's apparently the last Estrada's father, and he's wearing lots of fringe, but he doesn't wear it as well as Bailey does. Okay. And then uh, LaParca, who in that outfit is fantastic. The Day of the Dead motif. Yep. Um, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, I actually got to call uh, a LaParca match about okay. uh, three or four years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, LaParca is another one of those guys that just has a cool look, and he's an awesome, he's a really good wrestler. And he's uh, another one of those guys still wrestling, has gone through a lot of different incarnations, different people wearing the outfits, changing his name to L.A. Park, because people owning the name LaParca and stuff like that. But yeah, LaParca's always been cool. Alright, so we'll get back to LaParca in a little bit. So, the other... Team is Too Cold Scorpio, right? Which I know of from you talking about him. That's the only way I know of him. <laughs> <laughs> Too Cold only Scorpio. good things I've said about Too Cold Scorpio. Too Cold Scorpio. That's all I know. Is you do is that his like theme song Everybody, from something? Everybody, here comes Too Cold Scorpio. <laughs> yes. Okay, that's it. And then a, a young bruiser named the Pegasus Kid comes out, mm-hmm. and he's a guy I recognize, Joe. And I immediately get sad because I'm like, I remember how much I liked Benoit. There was a time when I watched wrestling and they're talking about the future of this young star. and He doesn't get the respect in Canada that he gets down in. And I'm like, oh, man, I know how this story ends. Ugh. Ooh, okay. So that's a bummer, ain't it? It is. It, it really brings everything to a screeching halt for one second. And I'm not making light of what happened to his family. I'm like literally saying, you you immediately see him, and you're and there's nowhere else your mind can go, Joe. There's nowhere else. Mm-hmm. So all right, then Tito Santana comes out, and I'm like, I know Tito Santana. And now I, I I'm gonna say this: every time I see Tito Santana, I I really think that remember the old Super Friends cartoon, Joe? Yes. That they modeled El Dorado off of Tito Santana. There's a very good chance they could have, sure. 
I'm not, you know, trying to say, I'm just like, every time I see him, I'm like, man, if they ever made a Super Friends movie back in the 80s or 90s or whatever, that Tito Santana would have been the perfect El Dorado. Um, it's, it's at this point that we learn that there was a WCW hotline at the time where That's you could correct. get information. I want to know more about this WCW hotline as, and I'm sure it's still around, right? I could call it now for WCW uh, info. 1-900-909-9900, Todd. <laughs> was that really the that number? That is the number. It, it, as a wrestling fan of that era, it was beaten into your soul. Right. They didn't give the number or anything like that, but they did mention it just once. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to ask Joe this. I wonder if he'll know about this. Of course. I know. Tom, that's we could exactly. do a whole separate episode of anything you wanted to, just talking about the wrestling hotlines of the 80s and 90s. Right. Have you ever called any? No. I Now, I never called the 900 numbers, mm-hmm. but actually around this time, like into the 90s and... You know, the, the mid to late 90s, there would be other people who would have, like, toll numbers where they would give, like, they weren't involved directly with WWF or WCW or ECW or other, any other promotions. It would just be like, guys, it's like, hey, I set up this voicemail number. It's a regular toll call. If you call it, it'll have, like, results for a show or news or something like that. Mm-hmm. But the 900 numbers was like $2 for the first minute, 99 cents. Each additional minute, never called those. Gotcha. Um, now, as I'm watching this, one of the interesting things that I notice is uh, is Estrada just having bad blood with Laparca at this point, even before the match starts. And the thing I love about this match is, as it goes on, the Laparca Estrada thing gets bigger and bigger. To at the point, it's almost it almost. Th- the wrestlers on the, on the teams get out of the way and like, all right, just have at it. Go, go to it. The two of you, if this is what you want to do, even though you're on the same team fight and that almost happens. And I'll tell you, Joe, I was sad. I was literally sad. It didn't happen because I was like, that would be one of the most interesting things I have ever seen in a match is a, is a tag team start fighting amongst themselves and literally have it become a match in the middle of the tag match. But it didn't, and then there was rumors that maybe it would be a match later on in the show where this mystery match that the the American announcers kept saying we might be getting, and they didn't know if some of these things were two out of three falls, which was a later match was two out of three falls, and I'm like, okay, once again, they didn't get the script, so I was you know a little a little confused by what they were doing and I'm and I'm, at this point I'm wondering is it part of the show or do they really just not know what's going on? Do you have any idea? Um, I think it was a lot of them just not knowing. Okay, interesting. That's um. Now as that goes on, we get more of that. Now, uh, I once again I'm watching uh, Scorpio and Laparca wrestle was really good i don't know how good uh uh Scorp- scorpio is like it like otherwise but i whether laparca made him look good or whatever as i'm watching this match i like it and laparca being a goof in this match immediately i i started loving him because he would be taunting and da- doing weird dancing and he's doing the shake rattle them bones dance and everything and i'm like okay out of this even before we get to the end laparca is my favorite wrestler from 
this this whole run of wrestling. Okay. Uh, right. More than Johnny B. Bad? Uh, no, 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 no. Of oh, this, oh, of, okay, of of this particular the Luchador event. show. No, yeah, of this event. Okay. No, don't, don't. Come not on. Overall. Stop. No, not overall. Just he, sh- he, when it was done, he was the guy I remembered the most, okay. if that makes any sense. Like, whew, don't be. All right, I'm, listen. I'm, I'm still mad I didn't go see him talk about bullies the other night. <laughs> Get out of that seat, kid. I'm sitting here. Oh, boy. Just bully some kid, as, as uh, Johnny Bad tells me not to bully. But there's in this match, there's a ton of low blows with two refs. They miss them all. And, and they're a like, low oh. blow is even more devastating in Mexico. Like, that's like a, supposed to be an immediate disqualification. Yes, and... And the refs keep like see like looking right at these low blows, and then they lift their leg and slap the inside of their thigh, mm-hmm. and the announcers go, "Got him on the inside of the thigh, so it's legal." And it just goes back and forth where they're just kicking each other in the balls for like a minute, and I'm like, "Oh, I guess it's the inside of the thigh every time." Um, there's a there's a lot of big dives in this yep. through the ropes. And I'm like, you got to be careful with those because you only get so many of those, Joe. And, you know, the bumps on your body. But this was like one after another. And they're going into those those barricades, those, those shitty, shitty barricades that are just rocketing into the fans when they hit them. <laughs> because they just they just give. They, they, they're like wobble because of the way they're connected. And they, they're just hitting fans. And I'm like, man, the front row at this has got to be great to watch. But you could get killed. You could literally get killed. Um, and then at the end, I'm trying to remember who wins. Uh, oh, and they also mentioned that pile drivers are completely outlawed. Right. Because just, somebody got crippled. Yeah, just like a low blow, a pile driver is illegal. Immediate right. disqualification. Okay. And then the team of uh, Two Cold Scorpio, Pegasus Kid, and Tito Santana win. And... Uh, I forgot how good of a wrestler uh, Benoit was, but it made me uh, weird every time he did the dive off the top rope for the headbutt. Oh boy! Because you know that kind of stuff will mess with your, with your, uh, with your brain. So I was allegedly. like, I wonder. Allegedly makes you wonder, you know. So I enjoyed that match for Laparca. Uh, so then we go on to the mask versus hair match. I'm sorry, the double mask versus hair match. Mm-hmm. which has now, this is one of those um, matches where I'm just going to call them Del Santo and Octagon, who's the big version of the, the Ninja Pirate from the Minis match, right? Yes. Right, because they have, that's what they were saying in the Minis match, that all these were like either, I don't know what they'd be with other wrestlers. Right, so they would um, they would do this on a regular basis, where you would have, as you mentioned, the mini version of the bigger star. Mm-hmm. And in the late 90s, before the Attitude Era, WWF had a working arrangement with Triple, not, uh, with Triple A. And they rebranded some of these guys and they gave them new gimmicks of mini Vader, mini Mankind, mini Gold Dust, and someone else. Wow. We should get mini Joe and Todd's. Yeah. Oh. They could be regular size, just, you know, look at us. <laughs> us next to us, they would look mini. Yes. So they uh, they fight Eddie Guerrero, who 
I think I saw wrestle in the WWE for a while. Correct. But he can't be because this is E-D-Y Guerrero, and the mm. one I saw was E-D-D-I-E. But I know, you know, you would never slightly alter your name from one promotion to another. Right. And his partner, I believe it's Mr. Love Machine. Right. Who... I'm at some point waiting for him to use his crotch gun on someone, but he didn't have one. Okay. Because that's who I'm... I'm waiting for Tom Savini to come out. (laughs) And it's not Tom Savini. It's some other guy. Right. And... Well, I'm sorry. And uh, the first team comes out with Blue Panther. Blue Panther... And the other team comes out with uh, Madonna's boyfriend, and they were there. They were their second, right? They said, which now once again was never mentioned as to what a second is. I don't know if it's just your manager or. Well, it's whatever. kind of like um, if things if somebody... get too out of hand, things are going too vicious. They could call the match for you. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. I- that's what it is. It's not explained. Or if so, you need some extra bodies on the outside of the ring to catch dives, that's another reason for them as that's, well. Uh, I'm thinking that has something to do with it. <laughs> now, here is one of my favorite things about this, is Love Machine and a, a young Eddie Guerrero come out in the, the, the red, white, and blue f- you know, fatigues, whatever you want to call sure. them, the outfits. And I'm like, all right, finally we're getting some fashion. The fans are going to love this because we're in Los Angeles, Joe. Oh, Todd. <laughs> what was I thinking? I forgot who was the, the crowd. It was weird to see people boo, uh, the, 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 you know, because, and, and the announcers get right on. They're like, they're booing the American, you know, the, them wearing the flags on their, on their, on their bodies. They've turned their backs on these fans. And I'm like, Oh yeah, that's right. Um, this is luchador wrestling. I have to open my mind to this, Joe. It's, it's not going to go over well dressing as, you know, American flags. It's like being the, the evil foreign guy, but in America somehow. <laughs> I don't, my world was turned upside down. I didn't know what to think. Um, and I mean, literally getting crazy. This is, I've never seen fans get riled up so fast with this just screaming and doing stuff. Um, and at this point, um, I found out that the announcer had a radio show and had the Love Machine and Eddie Guerrero on earlier in the day. And it makes me think, where was their 90s wrestling show, like radio shows? Like, All over were, the place. Was there really? Because... They were all, they were all localized. Like this guy, Mike Tanay, that we're talking about, he's from Las Vegas. So like on whatever the low end Las Vegas AM sports channel was, he had a radio show. Um, they were big in like the more metropolitan areas. Like there was a bunch of them in Atlanta, in Atlanta, which was like the WCW hotbed. There was a bunch in like the New York, New Jersey area. During this time, and even earlier than this, it was a big thing. It was almost as big as the 900 lines. Okay, because I'm not trying to be funny, because like I know now they'll give any schmuck a podcast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Have you looked in the mirror lately, John? You know what I'm saying? So... Like I'm like okay, but like to have a radio show, I'm guessing like do you, is it on a ham radio? <laughs> like, what what is this? But I'm guessing it's like a real like wrestling radio show. And I've, I 
as stu- uh, like you know you're giving me a luchador match to like to 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 learn new like like this new luchador stuff and like this stuff and literally this is the only thing my mind can focus on during the match is like were there really wrestling radio shows in the 90s yes but absolutely that, okay so now they the announcers start saying that the way the match works is you have to pin both the partners. So it's like, like if you, you know, if it was, you have to pin Eddie Guerrero and then you have to pin love machine. Right. And then this is when we find out, this is when I find out it's a two out of three falls match, which one of the earlier matches was supposed to be the two out of three falls, but they were wrong. So this is the one I'm like, okay, so now I get it, but they really don't explain a lot other than the double pin, like one and the other. And then I'm like, well, what happens if they pin one and then the other team pins the other guy? Do you have to go back and pin both again? It, it's never really explained, but then again, we never really needed it because right out of the gate, and I was actually shocked uh, that Eddie Guerrero and Love Machine pin Octagon and Del Santo like really quick. And the crowd just loses it. They're like, no, like, because... At this point, the announcers start mentioning it's a mat, like more on the mask versus hair. That if they lose, uh, Eddie Guerrero and Love Machine have to shave their hair, and if the guys lose, they have to lose their masks. And apparently, if you lose your mask, it's 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 bad, right? Right. It's 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 like your identity in Mexico losing your it's, mask. Yes. It's it's insulting to to your to it's it's humiliating, and apparently they said it's a knock against your machismo. Mm-hmm. So sure, I, that too. That no, that's their words, not mine. Right. But I, I did, I did not know that that it was such a big thing to lose your mask, like, like, and they mentioned somewhere someone pulled the mask, like earlier or later in the show, that someone pulled the mask off, and it's like, oh, that's like the worst thing that can happen. And then not only that, then to 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 lose and have to take your mask off is like apparently even worse, I guess. So I was actually like interesting, interested to find out about that because I didn't know uh, about all that. And then they were calling this a two out of three falls match. But then I was thinking, if you have to pin each guy once to get that win, isn't it a four out of nine falls match? If that makes any sense, you got to you got to you got to get a lot of pins, right? So I'm calling it a four out of nine match. Okay. Um, and now at this point, I realize. There's only one ref, and I don't know why. Mm-hmm. Like, we've had two refs all night, and it's not explained. It's like, oh, now we only have one ref. And this and the next, it's those two guys who were refing all night split up, and one guy takes this match, and the one guy takes the next match. So I, I, I was like, okay. So then uh, they wrestle for a little bit, and the other team evens it up. I was shocked because I figured – they, you know, beating them so handily right out of the gate that they were going to have it and pin who who goes one win and then one win. That's too much to ask for. But then I don't know what happens in the in the the, the DVD you gave me, Joe. But all of a sudden we fast forward to Octagon, uh, uh, not Octagon, to the to. Uh, Guerrero and Love Machine getting pinned because apparently Octagon was 
pile driven, but nobody saw it. And I don't know if they had to cut this out because it's so brutal and pile drivers are bad. Do you have any idea what I'm talking about? It might have been a bad copy from um, what I got off the live pay-per-view or something like that. It could have been anything. Okay, because I was really confused on all right. that. But it was interesting to see the uh, the win. They get the win, and then they take Octagon off in the ambulance. And I'm like, okay, um, I'm hoping he's okay because I know pile drivers are bad. Um, but then they start cutting the hair in, in the in the ring, and the announcers are mentioning, oh well, you have to do this because if you don't, if you make a stipulation and you don't stick to it, you know these are bad guys who should have just left before their hair was cut. They have to cut it or your reputation is ruined in Mexico and you can never, you know, wrestle the, the, the lucha. So I'm guessing honor is a big thing in the, in the Mexican wrestling. Absolutely. So I found, and they're cutting the hair. And the thing I found uh, funny was Del Santo was running around handing the hair out to the fans. Yep. Because apparently that's another thing. And I've never seen, I don't know if they do that in like, if I, if they've ever done that in, uh, in American wrestling. But that was funny for me to watch. I thought that was was interesting, and I liked you know I liked Eddie Guerrero. It was fun to see him because I remember him from the WWE days, and I was waiting for Latino Heat to break out, but it never did. So I, I don't know. I liked that match. It was fun. So before we move on to the main event, I do just want to mention Love Machine, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. a wrestler by the name of Art Bar. Right. So I don't know how much you ended up looking up on him or not on him or whatever it was. So this was supposed to be the catapult to Eddie and Art Bar coming into the United States, um, whether it be ECW, whether it be WCW, as a regular tag team. Mm-hmm. However, Art Bar would die two weeks later. Literally two weeks later? I, it might have been 13 days later. Oh, wow. Uh, this, and again, if I'm looking at this correctly, as I just have it in front of me, the show happened on the 6th of November... And he died on the 24th of November. Okay. What did he die of? Um, He died in his sleep. Uh, He, it was, um, I'm not going to mix words. It was due to his prolonged use of both steroids and cocaine over his short wrestling career. Mm -hmm. Now I say short wrestling career. He had been wrestling for a very long time. Um, You know, all things considered for someone of his age, his father was the promoter in the Portland Territory, province as you call them. Mm-hmm. And uh, he had previously had his claim to fame wrestling as Beetlejuice. The guy from the Howard Stern show or the, the Michael Keaton movie? The Michael Keaton movie. See, Todd, okay. he was just a colorless, vanilla job kind of guy in the Portland Territory. And then one day, a man who you know very well, who frequented the Portland Territory on occasion, Roddy Piper showed up, (laughs) dumped a bunch of white powder on him, and christened him Beetlejuice. Mm. That's a thing that happened. Lots of Spartrox? Yes, it was Spartrox. (laughs) He dumped it out of a spittoon, but... So then he died of Spartrox poisoning later? Yes. Now, I will also say this... Uh, based on him being Beetlejuice, he then teamed up with another guy who was a big gassed up individual mm-hmm. who wrestled under the name of Big Juice. Wow. Uh, they both got signed to WCW. Uh, big Juice getting a different gimmick. 
Beetlejuice uh, getting his name changed for legal reasons, of course, keeping the same gimmick and look, uh, to being called the Juicer. <gasps> and his career in the United States was cut short when it came out that he may or may not have had um, dalliances with underage girls. So Shocking. Lived a oh. colorful life art bar. And, you know, obviously if he did not die, Eddie Guerrero's career might have been completely different if they came to the United States as a tag team act as opposed to a singles act as Eddie Guerrero did. Right. But Eddie Guerrero did pretty good, right? He had a, he had a good 10 years after this, yeah. Right. I'm not trying to be funny. I yep. know he died young, but yes. he you would, you would classify as what Eddie did as a good run, right? Absolutely. 100%. Okay. So... It, it, it was interesting. So then we get to the steel cage match of the night, and it's the final match, and the extra match that we've been teased all night never happened. So <laughs> I was like, okay, I guess, I guess. I was hoping. The match I was actually hoping it was going to be was going to be uh, La Parca and Estrada because they were fight. I And I was like, oh, then that would be even cooler. It didn't happen in the match, but just make the match later in the night and – I honestly thought that was the one that they were teasing because it made the most sense unless it was something that I missed, you know, like I wouldn't know about, but mm-hmm. it, it didn't. So the next match is in a steel cage and it's Conan versus the guy, the loud whistlers always talking about Pero. And I got to get this right. Aguayo. Yes. Nailed it. Um, so I find it interesting that they actually mention that Conan gets his name because he came in with some weird name uh, that I don't know what it was because I don't remember. And the announcer was like, and the and the 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 promoter was like, no, you look more like Conan from the movies, like Schwarzenegger. So his name is Conan, spelled K-O-N-N-A-N. So we don't get sued. Right, right. So he shows up, and just for the fact that. I want him to win because he has a painting of himself on his own on his own robe. Okay, and anybody who has that is always I'm I'm down with that. I I, I think that's great. And then he's got two belts apparently. Uh, he won. Two, he came in with two belts, which weren't on the line, I guess. But uh, and he only had one pair of pants, so I think that's kind of weird. But then Paraguayo was came in. He was famous for his furry boots, I guess. Okay, that's what. That's what they said in the announcers, like in Paraguayo, you know, with his famous, you know, he's well known for his furry boots. And I was like, you're telling me Paraguayo was the first guy to wear Uggs is what you're telling me. Yes. So that, that was that was his thing. And then they were going to be in the highest cage they've the announcers have ever seen the highest cage. And when they lowered it, I was like, hmm. That looks like every cage I've ever seen. A little bit <laughs> higher than, a little bit higher than the door to get in it. About ten feet. Made a chain link. I'm more partial to the to the blue cage. Oh with, boy, with the squares. You know yeah, the one I'm talking about. I do. So it wasn't that. So right off the bat, I was hoping that it was that kind, but it turned out to be chain link. And I was real like, like literally, they were pumping this in the highest cage I've ever seen. I'm like. Oh, are they, is like this the precursor to Hell in the Cells and stuff like that? And I come out and I'm like, man, really? No. Like this, no. You lied to me. I was like, oh, somebody in wrestling lying about how tall something is. I was like, that's completely unheard of. So the, the, the match just goes on and this one, it, I was not really, 
enamored with this match at all. I was just kind of like, okay, I'm here. Um, because one of the reasons was Pero, for some reason, and I don't know, kept trying to pin Conan during the match. Right. And at, and at one point, the announcers even said, I don't know why he's doing it. The ref will count it, but, like, you know, one, two, three, but it's not... It's not going to count. He has to go over the the top of the cage and have his feet hit the floor. The first person to do that, and I'm like, I I don't know. And it happened way more than once, Joe. Like not like two times, not three times that he tried to pin him throughout this match. It was a bunch. And every time I'm like, no, you have to go. What are you doing? Do you do you? Do, do you not know how a cage match works? Even I do. Even these shitty announcers have explained to me how this match works. <laughs> so climb. Stop trying to pin him. So this goes on for a while, and eventually uh, then outruns, was it um, Eddie Guerrero and somebody else at this point to, to run out, and then uh, Louis McCauley. Louis, uh, the Madonna's boyfriend comes running out, and I'm like, okay, they get involved. They throw the, they throw the. At this point, there's a pair of brass knuckles that are given to Conan, and for some reason, they keep throwing it in and out of the ring, like it's a no disqualification match. So he can use the knuckles, but he'll hit, he'll hit Paro with them a few times, and then look around and then hide them in his boot. And I'm like, and they're like, I don't know why he's doing it. The announcer's like, I don't know why he's hiding them. It's a no disqualification match. And I'm like, okay. And then he'll take them out, hit them with a few times again, throw them over the top of the cage to Eddie. And then, you know, Paro's all bloody and everything. And then, uh, like, a few seconds later, Eddie will chuck him over the top of the cage again. He'll hit him a few times, and then he'll throw him out to Eddie. And I'm like, all right, this this is just stupid. At this point, I don't know what what that is. And then the the dynamite boys, some people who who I don't even know who they are, come out and save the day. And Paro gets over the top of the cage and and wins. I like I said, I don't know who any of these guys are, so I don't understand what's happening here. Who are the dynamite boys or whatever? So it was a, a good ending, I guess. I don't know. Okay. What? So, all in all, what did you think about, oh, um, uh, what did you think about this, uh, this event? Oh, and one last thing, uh, the crowd started, like, actually pushing and punching at one point at the end of this, and the announcers mentioned it, so I, I was nervous again. What did I think of it? Um, this was my least favorite of the, the matches, Mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm almost hoping there's, no more luchador matches for, for uh or, or like not matches but events events down the line because like i said it wasn't for me in that i didn't understand the rules mm-hmm. and they weren't being explained to me and then when they were explained to me it was too much it was like now i got to know who a goddamn captain is yeah. and you got to pin two of the guys and i'm just like one two three or submission let's let's get it over with so in the end, it was too fast for, for me to follow, and there was too many rules. So I'll say this. Um, this will be the last full Mexican show like this mm-hmm. that you will get. Um, this was one that was put on the list many, many moons ago. 
And I did not want to upset the order of the list, of course. Right. But if there was going to be a show that I was going to take off the list, this would have been the one. Mm-hmm. Just because I knew it was so against your sensibilities. However, I decided to keep it on because I felt as though this was such a strong show from a wrestling standpoint. Exciting, etc., etc. that I figured you would enjoy it. Um, and uh, sadly, I was wrong. It's okay. It happens. I bet y'all swing and a miss at some point on on these. Mm-hmm. Then you won't absolutely one hundred percent adore a Doctor Who episode, right? So, sorry I let you down. No, it's okay. Um, but like I said, this is—I uh, don't want to say this is one of my favorite shows because mm. I think a lot of it's—it's it's the pieces of the show that kind of help it, um, mm-hmm. and so much of it kind of hinges on. Uh, the the hair versus mask match, right? And to be honest with you, Joe, having now you've shown me wrestling that I was not, I didn't have any emotional vol- involvement to most of the wrestlers. Like, yeah, like you know, Flair would show up, and I know who Flair is. Funk, I didn't ever really watch Funk wrestle, but I know who Funk is. Stuff like that. So you're showing me this stuff. Now I'm going in with the complete slate and not trying to be funny. I don't know who, like if you just because a bunch of people are coming out in masks, I can't tell who the good guys are from the bad guys by the way they're acting. Do you know right. what, do you know what I mean? Yes. And I, and, and I'm really conf- confused on way things are. And I, and, and because I didn't know who sometimes didn't know who the good guys and who, who were the bad guys plus no emotional involvement. Plus, like, you know, at ending, confusing endings and matches, I'm like, I really, that's why I couldn't get into this. That's, that would be my take on it. Gotcha. There's so much more I want to talk to you about, like, just bits and pieces from this show. Which is fine. We can at some point. You know, like, I, I want to talk to you about, like, La Parca stuff. I want to talk to you about more, like, things like that. Um, but no, this is, we've gone on so long. No, for, I know. For this. Holy crap, we did go on a long time. <laughs> well, it's about average for the Gallifrey birds, you know? Okay, I forget. Right. So I just looked at the clock. <laughs> yeah. So thank you, everyone, for bearing with us. Listen to this one. Gallifrey birds, Roman numeral five is in the books. Uh, one month from now, you'll be hearing the next one. Uh, I'll be w- watching something with the sixth doctor and Todd as a tease, because I like giving these teases. Mm-hmm. Todd will be watching one of the most notorious, in a good way, pay-per-views of the Attitude Era. Whoa, boy. Yeah, buddy. So I might have seen this one, then. There's a chance you might have seen this one. Okay. And this might be... Um, there's a couple over the next, you know, six or seven shows... I think there's two that you might have seen before. Okay. Mm-hmm. I've seen more than you probably think of Attitude Era pay-per-views. Right. There was a there was a time when my one friend was watching them, and I would go over and get. I'd just go over because you know what I mean. Like yep. it was a free night for me to go. It's not like I have to pay for them and just sit down, and get pizza, have a few beers or whiskey or whatever, watch a pay-per-view. Right. So I wasn't watching wrestling on monday nights but i was watching the pay-per-views just to hang out with friends right so should be interesting all right so everyone thank you very much for listening to uh after dark 131 yes and uh gallifrey (laughs) birds roman numeral five
And for Todd, this is Joe, and we'll uh, catch you all here next week. Bye.